0: Without further
1: ado, that's what the game's all about. All of a sudden you feel like you can't miss. <laughs> just leave it up here. You, you couldn't make that if you tried that again. <laughs> Absolutely not. Let's, try the ball, let's
0: go. Welcome to Buckets, the NBA betting podcast from the Action Network. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by my colleague, NBA futures analyst Brandon Anderson for an episode that I specifically created just for him. This is your (laughs) NBA long shots episode. We'll get into the details of of what we're going to talk about today, the context of how to bet these things and all those in a second. I do want to let you know that the best way for you to take advantage of all the great stuff over at the Action Network is by downloading the award-winning Action Network app. It's got the best way for you to track your picks, you can try on notifications and get every single pick that Brandon puts into the app. Uh, you can also do the same with me. I want a little bit of a hot streak. It's probably going to crash and burn. I'm excited for my NFL picks to go to absolute trash. I did hit my first <laughs> NBA bet of the season, Brandon, under 229 yeah, and a half on the, on the preseason game. I wasn't going to watch because it was at 4. A.M. In Tokyo. One and know on the season, buddy. One and
1: know. Got that first win under your belt. That's all that matters. This as far as we know right now you're in for a perfect season you're off to the right start
0: also in the app you will get great detailed analysis you can check out articles like brandon's weekly every nfl game pass lean bet wait Uh, you can find this podcast as well as every video we do every day we're doing green dot daily on both the app and in youtube it's the daily betting show across all sports it sets your betting agenda for the day it's really cool daily video episode check it out as well as all the great podcasts big bets on campus the favorites all the awesome stuff in the action network app okay so brandon we were talking about doing all the stuff for for preseason and i came up with this and like your eyes lit up like it was christmas when i mentioned <laughs> that, uh of doing an nba long shots episode so the idea i think here is i want i want to be responsible with this and make it clear that one this is part and parcel to your betting approach um, of maintaining ROI, but that these are never going to like, by their very nature, these are never going to be plays that we're putting a significant unit amount on like my best win totals bets. I'm putting like a full five units on none of these will probably go for more than 0.25 of a unit. Those kind of ranges in there, depending on what your bankroll is. I want to stress that these are fun bets that we think have value, but that they need to be taken in the context of, if you're not somebody that's comfortable with risk, then these bets are not for you and that's fine.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, If you are not comfortable with risk, this is probably the episode for you to just enjoy and laugh at how terrible our angles are and make jokes about how this is why Vegas builds such beautiful big casinos. That's okay, you can listen for that reason too. I'll say this though, these are not five unit plays for me, certainly not, nothing close to it, but these are also not necessarily 0.25 unit plays for me. Like this this is my MO, this is where where my bread is buttered. These are sometimes gonna be a full unit play or maybe a half unit play. If you wanna get in on like a 40 to one long shot, what I've learned the hard way is, as fun as it is to get that one right, it sucks if you only bet a quarter of a unit on it. And now you're like, oh, cool. Well, I was right, but I didn't really win anything much on it. So again, it's it's bankroll management. You gotta know what you're doing here. For me, I'm the futures guy. Futures are a big part of my market. So they're part of my bankroll and I'm kind of keeping an eye out on, like right now, I think in the app, I believe I have something like 60 or 70 futures bets tracking in the app right now between NFL and NBA. And there'll be more before NBA season starts. And there'll be more every Friday in NBA and NFL all week long as they continue to add to it. So if that's not you, if you just want to pick two or three tickets for your whole season, then yeah, don't go in with five units on any of these. These are not that sort of strong play. But if there's one you like, I think it's okay to do a unit on it or a half unit and make it worth the payout if you're actually right. Longtime listeners of this
0: podcast will absolutely cackle when I share this exact Slack message I got from Brandon regarding today's episodes. He told me, hey, I need some direction. Quote, my top four, quote unquote, long shots bets are all awards picks, but those are also the exact same four awards best bets I would make because that's how I do futures best bets.
1: yeah i mean that's that it is what it is that's i I am not looking to make a bet or to come on a podcast and say well here's who i think is going to win therefore you should bet it it's always i'm always going to play the number and for a lot of these bets i'm looking at 40 to 1 that my numbers say this should be 12 to 1 or 60 to 1 where i think it should be 30 to 1 and that for me is always going to be a better bet than the guy at seven to one, where I'm like, yeah, he would be my pick straight up, but I'd still make his odds 10 to one because it's a crowded field. So I'm just going to play the number. And for me, if you play enough of these and play the numbers enough, then it's going to be a winning ROI in the long run. But it is the long run, it is a long futures game. We might sprinkle 10 long shots in NBA, add to my 10 in NFL, and we'll be happy if we hit one of them for the season. You gotta be willing to lose a lot on these, but if you hit that one out of twenty, you probably are still coming out ahead with some of the angles we're looking at here. So, well, we'll get to some of the award picks when we do an awards best bets show. But those are the picks I like best. These are the these are the numbers I like.
0: Two things I do want to kind of talk about here up front um, with regards to this. The first thing is we've talked about in the past the cash out value on some of these where if it shortens, you get value. I will say that I've noticed books getting a lot more stingy on cash out value. Uh, It's one of the reasons why I actually kind of like parlaying the awards picks Hmm. is that reaches a point where it's not like that risk factor if you are right on it will often lead to them being like, okay, we'll let you out of it with with a big profit because of the exposure risk that we have. NBA MVP, for example, last season, like your cash out opportunities were almost nil because it was a close race. And so they weren't willing to go ahead and take, take any diminished value return on these. And so I, at the books I had, that's something to keep in mind that your cash out value, I think on these is decreased. One of the things I think that's good about futures betting and there's a lot of, you know, look, the professional bettors, the reason they operate game by game is they don't want to tie up their money for six months, right? You don't want to basically work for six months, um, and then have to wait another six months. You know, you work, you work for a month, right? You put hard work in for a month, you put in all these bets, and you hope that you get to the end of it, and then that's your bread and butter for the year. That's not how it works, right? So like they'd rather play it game by game, adjust it as it goes along. I do think that one of the keys in the futures market is it is a, it is a market where you do not have to have market confidence. And what I mean by that is you can think a line is off, but if you think a line is off you probably think that NBA line is off by a point, a point and a half to mm-hmm. maybe three, right? If you're at a three point edge, then you should absolutely be betting. If you're a two, yeah. we talked about this with Raheem. There's your
1: five unit play. If you've got yeah. that sort of edge. Yeah. Like you, you
0: have an edge there, but there's a certain confidence. I think you have to have in the market, especially as the market reacts to the numbers that are laid, right? If the number goes from six or minus five to Sixers minus three, There, it doesn't mean that you can't bet right on the Sixers. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't bet on the Sixers if that's your cap. What it does mean is that you should have some confidence of the reasons overall why the market is trending that way. At least in my opinion, some people go the other way where they're like, no, they don't know anything I'm going to play against them. I don't think that these lines are accurate. The futures market in particular though, I do think it's heavily influenced by perception. It's heavily influenced by narrative and I do think in large part, the bookmakers are often on these, these odds fire and blind on some of these at least. And so I think yeah. that that's one reason why I think there's uh value where you can find.
1: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, it just makes sense if you think about it because it, you think of the number of bets coming in and the number of people playing, you know, an opening night NBA game or any NFL game ever. And of course there are way more bets. There's way more numbers. There's, so much more ways we can definitively diagnose exactly what sort of sharp number we expect on this. And that's why a half point or a point is a real margin when it comes down to those. We don't have that for these. And and in some of like the award cases, it's literally narrative, it's storytelling. There aren't numbers for storytelling. We can find numbers that correlate with it and we have and we talk about them, but yeah, it only makes sense that a night-to-night game, the lines are going to be a lot sharper because there's a lot more reasons to hone in, hone in on it. And especially, for me, that's the appeal now back to long shots is because I think in a lot of these markets, especially like an MVP market, the lines for the first five or ten guys are pretty sharp because we've had the whole offseason. It's a big conversation. Everyone's talking about it. Even though the narrative thing plays in, we're being able – we're cutting, cutting in – on what the number looks like. And really too, if we're being honest, we're kind of undercutting like a lot more and more with some of these futures, the top handful of guys just don't have value. The numbers are just too short because they know they don't really want to take on a huge wager in that way. But at a long shot, when you're at 60 to one, 100 to one, 200 to one, a real long shot, like how 60 to one to 40 to one, the difference is literally like a half percentage of implied value. Yeah. Humans don't understand, like none of us, myself included, know how to comprehend is there a half percent less chance value for this guy to win MVP than that guy? So, by definition, those numbers are off. And importantly, here, you've got to shop around on these for a long shot, especially because, like, if you want to take Luca for MVP, that's great. You can take him, he's the favorite. You're going to find a similar number at every book because that's like they're all kind of competing with each other on it some of these long shots you'll see 20 to one at one book 50 to one in a different book so make sure that you look around because that's where a lot of the the value is is just getting value on the right price too
0: The disdain in your voice when you talk about taking the favorite
1: <laughs> i said it was fine it's good
0: we're, we're gonna butt heads i think in award season especially over mvp because i do think this is not the year to start taking and taking long shots um I just think that I I think that the top two guys are accurately priced in the market. I don't think that Mm. they're that there's value, but there's a difference between value in terms of you have an edge on it where the odds are off and there's like, no, it's appropriately priced. Like I'm getting good, a good price on this return. Yeah. Um, you, you, as you mentioned, you always want to go for when you think the number is off and let's start with one where you think the number is off. Let's go back and forth. We'll just trade off doing, doing these. Um, we, like I said, we're going to say you had a couple of other awards picks we're going to say for our awards best bets episode because they're long shots and your best bets in very typical Brandon <laughs> fashion. But this one, I knew you were working on it because you asked me a question the other day. I knew this was in your head, and I actually wanted to kind of talk about it. Give me your first yeah. long shot bet.
1: All right, so my first long shot bet is Kawhi Leonard to an MVP 40 to 1. You can find that at circa 40 to 1 right now. I thought I had a great number at 30 to 1 at DraftKings. This was already on my list then. This is my reminder to shop around and get the number. 40 to one is a lot better than 30 to one. So I disagree with what you just said about MVP. And that is what is informing this position for me. I actually think the opposite of you. And we will butt heads on it. I don't like Luca as MVP this year. He does not at all fit what my model suggests an MVP should look like. And my model doesn't really have a pick that it likes a lot. Basically, I'm looking for... Age 24 to 28, 25-plus scorer on a top-two seed, plays 70 games. That's my model. That basically leaves me with Jokic, Embiid, Giannis. I don't love those three as options. Jokic has no narrative at all. He just won it twice in a row. Giannis doesn't really have the motivation, and B doesn't have the health. So I don't love those three. I will probably look to add position for them once I can get a cheaper buy point later, but that is what made me think, okay, Who is the long shot? Where's the guy off the board that can make a charge? So Kawhi, this was a surprise to me because we did a full hour on MVP a month or two ago. I don't remember if I even said anything about Kawhi. Very obviously, the number of games played is a major factor. What I asked you the other day is, hey, the Clippers have 15 back-to-backs. Is there any chance Kawhi plays any back-to-backs? If he only missed... Second night of a back-to-back, you're already down to 67 games max, which historically pretty much rules you out of MVP. He's a little older than I would like. The health and the games played is a red flag. The numbers even aren't perfect. He's probably going to be something like 25 points a game, eight or nine box plus minus rather than 28 and 10 plus. The numbers look to me like, okay... Kawhi's really good. We already knew he's really good. He could be in the conversation, but like the quote unquote in the conversation kind. And I kind of put him off as like, well, he's probably like a 60 games and back of the ballot two or three seed. So that was all a great case against the very pick I'm starting with, which is a terrible way of framing. Here's why I talk myself into it being a good long shot. If I can see 60 games as a two or three seed, then it's in the realm of play to see 68 or 70 games as the one seed. And I was surprised when we did all of our win totals to come out with the Clippers as my number one team in the NBA. They're my top record in the league. We talked at length about them in that podcast. If I have the Clippers as the one seed, as the best team in the league, we know who their best player is. And we know with Kawhi, what I like here is I think that there would be a built-in narrative of, hey, you know who's never had an MVP before? Hey, doesn't Kawhi Leonard just deserve an MVP? Kind of that career accomplishment sort of thing that we've seen in the past with this award before. We're going to need that because I don't think he's going to be a little short on the numbers and on the games. But for me, the number is too long. I would give, when I set up my MVP model, I basically have those three I mentioned, and then it's a big drop, but Kawhi is my fourth guy. I give him about 8%. That for me should be plus 1200 range at 40 to 1. I have to play it. I don't mind this one.
0: I don't, I don't object to this one. I think because you guys mentioned this that, that you're going to do a little bit more of what I did last year and play a little bit more of uh, more angles on MVP. Right. Yeah. And so setting a baseline of 40 to 1 for a team that we both expect to be excellent. Yep. Yeah. Kawhi looks like a tank. Looks like a like the biggest thing when they started showing the workout videos was that his legs look bigger, not fatter, bigger. It looks like he added strength there. This is actually really pivotal. Um, There's this idea of Kawhi's strength in general, and it's a little overrated. Um, I've done a lot of work on Kawhi Leonard over the years, and in his earlier seasons when he was an MVP candidate, say 2017 post-up defense was actually an issue for him. He would actually have problems in one-on-one ISO versus larger defenders that could keep their handle, right? Because he's got great hands. Everybody knows that. It would be a little bit of a problem for him. And conversely, it would also be a problem on the offensive end because if you don't have the power to stop a guy in the post, you also have sometimes some issue going against larger defenders. That used to be kind of a matchup that guys would go toward, teams would go towards is, hey, let's put a bigger defender on him and really play physical with him. He looks like a power forward. He's just a tank now, <laughs> and if you expect the same kind of efficiency, which you should, and he's so good across so many different dimensions, the stats concern is legitimate. Yeah. But the stats concern isn't isn't legitimate. Like if we look at last season and we go Devin, if you you have to answer this question, yes, was Devin Booker a serious candidate to win MVP last year?
1: Yeah, absolutely. He okay. was. He finished top five on the ballot.
0: So if that's the answer, then Kawhi can absolutely win because Kawhi's reputation is going to be X ex- like exponentially greater yep. than Devin's because he's coming in with an awareness. Kawhi can have a less impactful season that next year than Devin did last year and get more votes. Yes. Because his narrative is very strong. Everyone respects Kawhi Leonard. He is a certified champion, two time, two-time finals MVP. His resume Honestly, is a little bit ahead of the player that he's been, and that's not that Kawhi hasn't been great. He's awesome. He's a killer, but that helps if you're trying to get the this award, which we've talked about a lot, rest in the minds of the voters. So, look at forty to one. I think that's really good value. I think that that you can make a a a cohesive argument for the not once you get into like, well, I think it should be twelve to one. Okay, but you're still talking about eight. Like you're still talking about an eight percent chance of this thing hitting, but. I do think that by the end of the year, that could be way, way shorter.
1: I think yeah, that. And, and I think even too, as we, this number could be way shorter a week from now. Like we watch Kawhi play a couple of preseason games. Everyone's like, oh, holy crap, Kawhi is back. This number drops down to 25 or 20 very quickly if that happens. So I think this is one, if you like it, you want to grab this right now. I know in your head, you're thinking, well, but maybe I'll wait a month on this and see how he looks. And does he play that first back to back? Nope. Because now it's not a long shot anymore. Now you're playing a seven to one, an eight to one. If everyone else, like that's, I am willing to risk the bad version of these bets, which there are bad versions of all of them because I want the long number. That's the long shot angle.
0: I will say I was listening to a podcast this week that was talking about whether to play it when you've lost market value. And on a long-term play, you always want to get the best of the number. I will say on individual bets, I don't I don't necessarily think it's like, as long as you still think that you're getting EV. I don't like, yeah, yeah, you should bet it now. Cause if you think it's reasonable, it's going to be what it's it's going to be, you know, five times as good in a month, but.
1: No, I agree. It's uh, Apollo Bancaro. We won't do on this podcast. Cause he is not a long shot anymore, right, but right. we've had that conversation. We both loved him at the longer number in the summer. I think we both like him still at the number he's at right. now. I would rather you have bet him at the long number, but that doesn't mean he can't still be good value now w- with Kawhi like you mentioned, building position, that's been your big thing. I've learned a lot from that. My position I would be trying to build is get the Kawhi ticket now, and then I want to look to add Jokic, beat and Giannis later in the year because we know this race is going to ebb and flow, and there's going to be a Kevin Durant week and a Luka week and whatever. So if I add those three guys, if I find a buy point at 10 to one or longer, then I get those four at basically about plus 250. So, I can get a Jokic, Giannis, Embiid, or Kawhi wins the MVP at plus 250. I feel pretty good about that position. So, that's what I'm working toward. This is my first step.
0: So, a very, like a very reasonable and smart, sharp edge from Brandon on his first pick. Uh, I will go the opposite direction. All right. And, uh, my first pick here in the long shots Ben Simmons to make all NBA at 6,500. <laughs> that's right. 6,500 to one. Uh all the hype around Ben Simmons is there but nobody wants to hear it. If there's one player that the Brooklyn Nets have tried to hype up from the summer through now, it's Ben Simmons. Everyone has said he looks awesome, everyone said he's in a great mindset, everyone said he's doing great in the practices. And yeah, everyone's like, yeah, we don't believe it because we think that you're just edging him up because you want to you want to get his confidence up because of all the problems that he had. If Ben Simmons comes into this season, And Ben Simmons is an all NBA defender, which he absolutely can be. He was an, a all defensive player with the Sixers. And if he finds a role and if he's willing to play center and he's hitting, he's hitting dunks off of the catch. I understand the question is whether he's going to dunk the ball open. I get it. I get it. I get it. (laughs) He's hitting on the short roll. He's playing more aggressive. I don't need him to shoot threes. I don't need him to shoot free throws. I need him to get assists, rebounds, and be what I profiled him as in the draft, which was a more athletic version of Draymond Green. If yep. he does all of that and the and the Nets are successful and Kyrie misses a ton of games because he decides that he wants to go do peyote in Joshua Tree, then there is a very good chance that Ben Simmons is getting a ton of love if the Nets are a number one seed, which is well within the realm of possibility. They are that talented. We told you. On this podcast, when we did the win totals, no part of it. We don't want their division. We don't want their win (laughs) total. We're not messing with the Brooklyn Nets. But Ben Simmons specifically at 65 to one, I will take as a long shot for all NBA.
1: I love this pick. I am mad that I did. What book is this at? I didn't see this anywhere. Huh. I must have not scrolled long enough. I think I only saw first team at DK. I didn't see all NBA. I love it because it's the perfect, yeah, it's it's the 65 to one. That's the hook here because can you envision it as a real scenario? Absolutely. It's in play for all the reasons you just said. If the Nets are really good and he's good and does the things he does, he's not going to make it on numbers. That's not going to be the case. But where do you know that? That's part of what I like about the Kawhi thing too is like, if we already know we get to throw the numbers out with certain players like LeBron and Kawhi and Ben Simmons, because they're their own thing. Draymond has had that for years. Then... You don't have to worry about the numbers. You just get to do the storytelling and the impact and all of those things. And Ben is really good at that stuff. What position is he going to make all NBA for you? What position okay. are you projecting him?
0: I want to clarify. I should have said this up front. It is the first team. It is the okay. first okay. team. And okay. I know that you're going to be like, but all these other guys on the forwards. I get it. Injuries happen. That's all I'm trying to So
1: he's a forward for you then, is that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: He winds up in the that, forward category.
1: That that could help. It, to, to help your case a little bit, because it's Ben Simmons and there's the weird thing about him, he could be the sort of guy that, like, why couldn't Ben Simmons be a guard? Especially if part of your case is Kyrie misses time, doesn't ban, like, play guard, quote-unquote, and run the offense a little bit. And maybe that gives him a little more flexibility for an all-NBA spot as well, if you can basically put him at any one of the positions. So right. I, I will... I will retract my love back down to like, I like the bet. If it's a first team I'm in like now, but I still think it's, I like it. It's good.
0: All right. Give me your second one.
1: All right. I'm going to go, I'll I'll stick with all NBA. This is my third one on the list, but I'm going to go all NBA. So this is not first team. This is just any position. I'm going to take my guy. We know I needed a Cavs bet on here. Evan Mobley 12 to one to make all NBA. So I'm going to get back into the positionality thing here. Obviously Evan Mobley, is not a guard. But I do think Evan Mobley, when it comes down to voting, is going to have a position, a chance to be a forward or a center on the list. So I looked at, okay, we need nine forward and center spots. I'm going to give all NBA status to Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, Durant, LeBron, Kawhi, and Tatum. That's seven guys. Not necessarily one of them could get hurt, but I'll give seven guys. That leaves me two spots for front court positions. Here's where I'm looking at Mobley against guys like Paul George or Jimmy Butler, who maybe are in the mix, maybe aren't healthy enough, maybe could get squeezed into a guard spot for the similar sort of reasons. We got Rudy Gobert and Carl Anthony Towns, but they might kind of cannibalize each other. We got guys like Zion or Anthony Davis injury risks. I don't see any reason why Mobley isn't every bit in that mix of guys. We just talked about, I think the Cavs, we've talked at length about them will be very good, very strong defensively, have a higher ceiling now with Donovan Mitchell. I've had the Cavs even before the Mitchell trade as a top four seed. Now I think there's potential for them to be, even though I had them as the four seed, now I think they go higher than that. If the Cavs are one, two, even a three seed, team, people are going to look and be like, well, man, the Cavs are this good. They got to have an all-NBA guy. Who is it? And I think the answer is Evan Mobley. And... He's going to be a great defender. He's going to be in the mix on that end of things. He, I think, has a really good case to just be one of those star, like all-star, holy cow, this is your franchise cornerstone type guys as a sophomore player. 12-1, to 1, I think it's a it's a good number. It's not as long as the rest of my long shots, but for all NBA, I like him in the mix here.
0: I think you get to factor in that Darius Garland was widely considered to be a candidate for all NBA last season, that there was a real debate between him and Fred Van Vliet. Like, I think he, I think that Evan Mobley is a type of player that guys like you and I love. They make really smart passes. They play really great positional defense. They're super flexible. They can stretch the floor a little bit. Like Mobley profiles as a guy that the NBA nerds like you and I love. I don't know that he gets the most credit on this team. I think, especially yeah. with the with the addition of Donovan Mitchell, I think that uh, if if Mitchell doesn't have a great season, but the Cavs do, I think Darius Garland gets a lot of success, get a lot of the credit. I don't even know at twelve to one if you're if you're long enough there. Um, so,
1: so let me ask those questions. I think this is a key to my argument. Do you agree that he has positional flexibility? Could Evan Mobley like look? We got to assume Jokic and Bede are the first and second team centers in some order. Mm-hmm. Third team center is open to me. He's not Maybe gonna get there. He's
0: not gonna get there with Jared Allen on the team. They won't no the voters would not put him at center, no matter how good he is, because last year is proof, right? They didn't put Jokic at forward because they were just like, no, he's not like these are centers. I'm sorry. Joel Embiid's gonna have to be second team. Jared Allen is a starting center and he's gonna play a ton of games and he's gonna be really good in that capacity. Mobile's not yeah. gonna get center looks.
1: Okay. Well, if you don't think you can play center, then I don't like the bet as much. If you do like center, I like the 12 to one. What's your next one?
0: Um, I actually, my next one is one that you also have. So we'll go to another one that I like. Okay. Uh, it is time, my friend, for, you know, the spots I love and it's exact outcome time. That's right. Oh yeah. We're going to, we're going to try and predict what the NBA finals are going to wind up as six months in advance, all sorts of injuries, all sorts of mess. The entire league will be different. Let's go ahead and get started. Uh, The Los Angeles Clippers to beat the Milwaukee Bucks in the NBA Finals is plus 3,500. It's 35 to 1. This argument is basically built upon, do you think that the Bucks and Clippers will be in the Final Four? Like, that's the Mm -hmm. argument. Because at that point, you're in a great position to hedge. And and as I did last year, you can multi-hedge. I definitely (laughs) did this. I definitely did this with Celtics. I had Celtics Warriors tickets. I had Heat Warriors tickets. I did not have the Mavs tickets. And those ones I had to add in during the the Western Conference finals to be sh- to be sure, but you can wait and you can play it as this goes along. And your profit margin is still considerable on a 35 to one ticket, especially if you add to these type of positions as it, go- as it goes along. Um, this is not for you. If you're just like, I want to make one bet and, and wait, that's no, do not, do not, do not take this bet. Um, but do I think the Los Angeles Clippers, I'm getting more and more confident as we get closer to the season that the Clippers are going to be, are going to win the division and be a top two seed. There's a lot of reasons that we've talked about why I'm on the Warriors under the sun situation has gotten worse since we podcasted like Jay Crowder is going to get traded. The Sarver stuff is weighing on them. Aiden looks like he's under, he's a hostage. Like nothing (laughs) about the sun's vibes is good. We're six months from the playoffs. A lot can change. But as of right now, the team with the best vibes, momentum, et cetera, is definitely the Los Angeles Clippers. Now, I would hesitate there if I was like, but I got to see what they're like in the playoffs. I trust this team in the playoffs. Yeah, they suffered the 3-1 meltdown versus the Nuggets. That was a very different team under a different coach in a very specific situation in Florida in the bubble. We saw them essentially if Kawhi Leonard doesn't get injured, I think they beat the Suns and they go to the NBA Finals in 2021. I think we get this exact matchup Clippers-Bucks in that situation. Bucks are, quite honestly, they are the most boring Eastern Conference bet. It's basically Giannis is a top three player. Uh, They are good every single season. The thing I like about this is I don't need any sort of regular season outcome. The Bucks can make the finals as a a six seed. The Bucks can make the finals as a four seed. The Bucks can make the finals as a one seed. There are, I have chronicled very in-depth how much betting on the Bucks in the playoffs is stressful to me. They are still an awesome team with a great combination of players that know each other very well. They are well coached ultimately, and there's a very good chance that they get there. And if this is the Clippers are facing an upstart team like the Warriors did last year where the Mavericks were in, had had no business being there, and the Bucs are facing are in a, a dogfight versus the Celtics or the Nets or the Sixers, I'm going to be able to get a good prop odds on the other side of this bet Pretty well. If I can be like, all right, I'm gonna take self. I'm gonna take Clippers versus the other team, and then if if both sides go down, I'll I'll head the other way as well. To me, this is the best value on the board. If you're gonna play exact outcome, it's Clippers beat Bucks at 35 to one.
1: Okay, so you know how I feel about these beloved exact outcomes that I believe I have yet to ever make a bet of any one of these in my life. However, for this podcast, I was like, hey, you know, it'd be a good long shot, an exact outcome that could be a long shot. And I looked at the odds. No, I didn't look at the odds. I just thought through, okay, what would I take if I was going to take an exact outcome? I'm not going to do it because that's not how I look at this. But if I did one, I kind of would like a Clippers title odds, but a way to boost the number a little bit. What would be a good way to do that? Well, I feel like I would just need to take the most obvious answer to come out of the East. So the Bucks. I think I would do Clippers over Bucks as an exact outcome. That's literally a thing that I just thought through at like 13 hours ago preparing for this. So... I'm not going to bet it because I don't like the exact outcome, but I did choose your exact outcome as the exact outcome bet I would place if I was going to do one. I think it makes a lot of sense. And the way that you play these futures and you got to stay active on these, you're going to play it that way. It gives you a lot of optionality when we get to the playoffs because like from the flip side, barring catastrophe injuries to either team I think we would be shocked to get to the second round of the playoffs and not have the Clippers and Bucks right there in the mix, right? Like barring something terrible happening, they're there for sure. And now you've got some options, so I I can't argue against it. As much as uh, exact outcomes are not for me. All right, give me your next uh, long shot best bet. So I have a Clippers title odds as well. Similar logic of saying, okay,
0: this one. Oh, I hate this pick from you.
1: (laughs) So excited for you to talk about it. I hate this one. All right. So I actually think, I I think this is a bad number at DraftKings. So if you look at DraftKings, you can look at these sort of team parlays. And so I just kind of click through, just scrolling through. Okay. Anything 10 to one or longer, it's anything jump out to me. So here's my pick. Norman Powell to average 17 points a game and the Clippers to win the title 15 to one. So let me make the case. Norman Powell averaged the last two seasons, 18.7 points a game. He, before that, was at 16 points a game. That was 28 minutes. He's been up to 32 the last two years. He only played five Clippers games. He was 21 points a game, even though his minutes were lower than ever there. Norman Powell is going to score. He's going to score a lot of points. It's literally what role he is on this team, is to come off the bench and score and occasionally start games when Kawhi or PG set out and score even more because they're missing. I know the Clippers are deep. I know there's a bunch of guys. Norman Powell is going to score buckets. That's who he is. That's what he does. 17 points a game is the wrong number for him. It's too low. Should have been 18, 18 and a half. Then I wouldn't like this bet, but here's the number. The Clippers to win the title is plus 550 at DraftKings, the same book with his parlay. I wouldn't take that bet. I don't want it. Not this far away. I want no part of it, but that's why I like the parlay here because plus 550 is an implied 15.4%. If you want a 15-to-1 bet, that's an implied 6.3. So we got two things we're parlaying together. The math is very easy here. If you think there is a better than 41% chance of Norman Powell hitting his part of the deal here, then this is a positive value add to your Clippers bet. For me, I think that there is a 60-75% to 75% chance Norm goes over this. I think the number is too low. So I think it's a great way to add value to the Clippers. I don't think these bets have anything to do with each other. Norman Powell scoring 17 a game has literally nothing to do with whether I think Clippers win the title. I don't care about him in the playoffs. This has nothing to do with that. I need him to average 17 in the regular season. I think that's a freebie. And now I have a boosted Clippers bet when I get to the playoffs that I would not take otherwise. I think this bet works against each other.
0: I think if Norman Powell has to score over 17 points a game, the Clippers are definitely not winning the NBA title. There is okay, no reason this, for
1: that. So but this, this, oh, this yeah, is, a, I got a whole thing. Okay, okay. Okay. Go ahead.
0: I got a whole thing. One Norman Powell is not as good as everybody makes him out to be. He is an internet NBA darling. I don't understand it. It's like me. I've looked at him. It's like little Sebastian in parks and recreation. It's a small horse. <laughs> why, why are we, what, what's the problem? Like he's fine. He's fine. A good example of where Norman Powell sits in the Clippers is that he is in training camp, quote, in competition for the starting two guard spot not pinned in brandon it's not like oh yeah norman's def- definitely starting for us he is competing for a starting spot that's how deep the clippers are is that he is competing he may not win it what if he doesn't win it and he comes off the bench like maybe you say like oh yeah I like it even better then because then he's like the sixth man you know he's the 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 spark plug they don't have any problems scoring everybody shoots everybody shoots on this team Guys that wind up scoring a lot are oftentimes guys that are the only ones that can create their own shots. The Clippers don't have that problem. They're going to be able to generate shots all over the court. If he's averaging more than 17 games, we look back historically, okay, he averaged uh, he averaged 17 with Portland in that stretch run in the back half of the year when he got traded to Portland. That was on a team that specifically traded for him to get another offensive weapon, Like they wanted another offensive weapon and he scored 17. Now you're going to spit last year's numbers at me with 18.7 when Dame was out and 21.4 with the Clippers when Kawhi and PG were out for the majority of the time as well. Even if you want to say, well, PJ came back later. Okay. But now Kawhi Leonard's coming back. He's not going to have the usage. He's not going to have the touches. He may not have the minutes. If, if, if Norman Powell scores over 17 per game, The Clippers' title odds are gone. That's my argument for this.
1: Okay. I think that's a terrible argument, so let me respond to it. Because I think that Norman Powell scoring 17 a game in the regular season has nothing to do with the Clippers' title odds. The whole point of why you have Norman Powell is to get through. through Hey, hey, I let you go. No,
0: I need need to clarify because you just said that. I'm saying the only way he scores 17 per game is if Kawhi's hurt.
1: I'm saying that he scores 17 a game and clears it because the Clippers are deep and are going to rest Kawhi and PG and do the thing we've seen them do the whole time they've had this Kawhi PG era, some amount of it. Norman Powell, I absolutely expect to come off the bench. He should come off the bench. Spoiler alert, he's my sixth man pick of the year when we get to that in the awards podcast. I love Norman Powell. The Clippers have had the gunner shooting guard role. Defined for years. This is what the Clippers of all teams know to do. Norman Powell comes off the bench and scores, fills in the starting lineup when Kawhi or PG or someone else sits. We've got like, look, Luke Kennard averaged 12 points a game last year. Reggie Jackson had 17, but led the team in minutes. Like he's going to go way down. John Wall is not a scorer at this stage of his career. Robert Covington, Zubach, like these are not scores. We still need a scoring punch. The Clippers don't really run an offense. They run a Kawhi or PG get me points. So Norm is the perfect guy when Kawhi and PG aren't getting them points to do the exact same thing. I think the numbers are there. I think the minutes are there. He averaged 32 minutes a game the last few years. There's plenty of minutes in Clipperville. Norm's going to miss a couple games too. That's fine. That doesn't count against my per game averages. I think the number is too low. And if Norm – I'll even go this far. I think if Norman Powell averages 17 points a game – it helps my Clippers title odds, because if he does that, it means that it helped keep the Clippers stars healthy for when the games matter. And Norm is not going to average 17 a game in the playoffs because that's not what he's here for. He's here to score in the regular season and keep the team healthy for the title run.
0: In the games where Kawhi and PG don't play, what's like a, an average good game from Powell? How many is he, do you think he scores there?
1: Because that's part of it. I don't know, not like a huge number more, like uh, yeah. 22, 23, yeah. something like that. Like, yeah. here, here's yeah. how I, I see this bet as Tyler Hero, 17 points a game plus Heat title odds. That's precisely how I translate this as to, two totally separate things. I don't have to believe in Tyler Hero boosting the Heat's playoff odds. By the way, this would have been a great bet to have last year with Tyler Hero and the Heat. You got one game away from yeah. making the finals.
0: Yeah, because Tyler Hero is better
1: than, than Norm Powell as a scorer. Yeah, well, Tyler here averaged twenty something a game too. Yeah. I got a three four point cushion here.
0: Um, okay, you said that you think there's a sixty five percent chance that Powell scores seventeen a game. Is that correct?
1: I said sixty to seventy five.
0: Okay, what what number will you give me? I'll use, we can do sixty five. Okay, sixty five. So I get thirty five percent odds on this that he doesn't score seventeen per game. Will sure, you two to one. Me, will you give me? Will you you'll give me two to one on it?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's 65, 66 and a half.
0: Yeah. Okay, so I will bet you, I will bet you, (laughs) I'll get you 185. I'm offering 185. I want the 185 that he will not score 17 per game this year.
1: What's important for this bet is if you believe...
0: I want to know if you'll take this. I'm willing to bet you right now he will not score 17 per game, and I'll give you 150.
1: You're giving me one fifty.
0: No, I get the one fifty. <laughs> I get the I get the one point five because you put that number there.
1: Uh, I mean, sure. Well, we'll, we'll do it. But All I, right. I, th- I bet. the the point for this bet is that the number correlation is off to me. Clippers title odds plus five fifty. You're parlaying two mostly independent things, and you only have to have by the numbers forty one percent chance to go over on norm to make the Clippers title odds boost worth the value. I'm basically tripling my Clippers title odds. That's the real bet I'm making here. I just think Norm is a great way to boost it.
0: Okay, so my next one, I have, here's one that we both have. Uh, It's Donovan Mitchell to lead the league in scoring at 60 to one.
1: 80 to (laughs) one, 80 to one at Caesars. So uh, at 80
0: to one, this is a preposterous number. This is a ridiculous number. Uh, I don't even care. Here's a good example of how off this number is. So Russell Westbrook led the league in scoring in 2017 for a bottom 15 offense. It's not even directly related to how good the Cavs offense is. The Cavs offense can still be garbage and Donovan Mitchell can win this. Like pace does matter to a certain degree because yeah. faster that season, but Donovan Mitchell with his three point volume can easily lead the league in scoring here. And he, he has a lot to prove he has weapons surrounding him. like, there, there is every opportunity for Donovan Mitchell to come in and do this again. If this was, I don't even know what number I wouldn't like it at. um I wouldn't <laughs> like it sub maybe. I have to look at the implies. Yeah,
1: but I, I feel like sub forty maybe is, is yeah. kind of the number because of mine. Like thirty to forty range, I'd have to be like, yeah, okay, that's maybe in the range where he should be.
0: But eighty to one for a guy yeah. who. Loves to shoot is going to a team that specifically <laughs> got him to score that needs that type of scoring weapon and a, a team that had honestly a lot of guys that are injury prone, which means he has to pick up the slack. This is a ridiculous number, and I know you're with me on it.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's so uh, you basically made all the points that I have in my notes here. He's averaging last two seasons 26.1 points a game. Pretty much you need to get to 30 if you're going to be a scoring leader. I look back the last handful of seasons, we have at least one 30-point score. 30 is not far from 26. He was already ninth in points per game last year and by all means should go up because I actually like that he's joining a worse offense here because guess what? That's the whole point. They brought him in to come and do Donovan Mitchell things and shoot the ball a bunch of times. Three-point volume you mentioned. That's huge because I remember noticing – In that bubble playoffs, when he had the back-to-back 50-point games and just went berserk, in the playoffs, Donovan Mitchell's three-point volume goes way up. And I remember noticing after that bubble, like, okay, I think I had a long, long shot Donovan Mitchell MVP after that because you know how I love my terrible jazz bets. But it was under the premise of, hey, if that three-point volume thing is real, there's a huge uh, upside here for the scoring. Since that bubble series, he's averaged – 31.7 points a game in the playoffs, and in the regular season, his three-point volume is slowly going up, up, up. Each year, it's going higher, and I think it could go even higher this year. The Cavs need his offense. They don't really have a bench score, so they're going to have him and Garland probably sharing that role a little bit. You're right. The pace is not great. That's the one thing I don't like about this. But I I looked also as, okay, if I like the Cavs a lot, and if they finish a top two seed, do they have an MVP candidate? I think because of the way we pick scores, it would be Mitchell, but that's 80 to one. What's more likely Mitchell to be the MVP of the NBA or Mitchell to just lead the league in scoring? To me, those numbers should never be the same. There's no way I'm taking MVP when I can play points per game here at the same price. I think it's it's a bad number.
0: A good comp for this is that Bradley Beal was within a handful of points of Steph Curry two years ago. Like,
1: Yeah, and would have won if he hadn't got hurt.
0: And, and like his is Bradley Beal that much better of a scorer than Donovan Mitchell? I would argue no, especially based off a of three-point volume. Like Donovan just gets up threes, so that helps a lot. Um, okay, I'll go to this one. Exact division top two. I love these yeah. bets. Raptors one, nets two, 35. Oh
1: out. man, the two teams that you want absolutely nothing to do with either thing about is this this is an emotional hedge. This is a Matt more emotional hedge right now. Yeah, absolutely is
0: <laughs> absolutely. Is. <laughs> What's the number? 35. Okay. You get 35 to one, 3,500. So let's put this into this kind of framework. Um, Joel Embiid is always an injury risk. If Joel Embiid suffers another injury, he's out even with Harden Maxie and an improved roster. That Sixers team is not going to finish probably top three in that division. Okay. So they're gone. The Boston Celtics are currently having the preseason from hell. Okay. The best of our knowledge. Again, I keep thinking like, look, at six months. This should be fine. It's entirely possible that, the, like, honestly, Brandon, the whole Udoka thing has made me worried for my Celtics under bet because I hate when guys have a reason to try. Like, I was banking on the Celtics not having <laughs> any reason to do And now it's like we're going to band together against the adversity and everyone's, the the world's against us, which is not the situation. That's not true. That's not what's happening. But athletes are very good at that. If, if Joe Mazzulla is smart, he will absolutely – try and create that bunker mentality it's us against the world i hate that but let's say that that doesn't happen and instead like a lot of a lot of talk about jalen brown and happiness like that continues to be a very big talking point after the trade talks robert williams out don't know when he's going to be back it's gonna be a a while they just signed blake griffin i don't know if you know this but every team that's had blake griffin and things have not worked out well for them i i hate that because i I think blake's a good dude but hasn't worked out great for them let's say the season from hell continues. It's not going to be the Knicks. We know it's not going to be the Knicks. So that leads us with these two. It would just be very Raptors for everyone to be talking about these other teams <laughs> and Scotty Barnes makes a leap. Scotty Barnes gets like just makes a leap to third team all NBA. He's talked about as one of the, the the rising stars in the NBA. Everything fits together. They beat up they they go something ridiculous versus the teams under 500. They win their division games. And the Raptors come out ahead. The Nets just kind of like they they just get enough, KD and Kyrie, and they get enough. And it's like 52 wins Raptors, 50 wins Nets. The other two teams wind up sub 50. And we got Raptors one, Nets two at 35 to 1.
1: Yeah, I can't. I can't do it. Can't get there. Can't get there. That's fair. I, I I I can't see this Raptors offense being enough to get to where they finish ahead of all three of those teams. I could have got there, I think it probably wouldn't have counted as a real long shot. I could have got there on a Raptors Sixers or Raptors Celtics. Yeah. To me, like, both of those teams being as good as they are, you're you're absolutely right about all the downside versions of those teams. But we now need both of those to to bottom out on two teams that we both think very highly of. And we need the Raptors to be really good. And we still need the Nets to be pretty good. The Nets have to beat the other two teams we really like a lot, too. So I... I think the Raptors offense isn't good enough to get to the high ceiling outcome. You're right. I think if this does hit, it's a like 52 50 48 47 scenario where they're just all right there. And the one thing we do like is it seems like of the four teams, the Raptors are probably the one that would push the gas to try to get the division win or to get the higher seed. But yeah, otherwise I think you're just emotionally hedging and I I can't quite hedge with you on this one. So let me let me jump in with one on is talking about fading teams expected to be really high. Oh, we'll go quick on this one because we've talked about it before. Suns to miss the playoffs, thirteen to one right now. I liked it better at eighteen to one when we did it a couple of weeks ago. I still think there's some value at thirteen to one. Look, the Suns, the, the West is very deep. We got Nuggets, Clippers, Warriors. Our teams expected to be clearly like top three or four, and then after that, if you put the Suns in the mix with Timberwolves, Mavericks, Lakers, Pelicans, Grizzlies. Those are teams. That's nine teams. The Suns absolutely are in range to finish outside the top six, which we need them to for this bet. Finish seven, eight, or nine. And now you're in the plan. And either you're the nine seed, you got to win twice, or you're the seven or eight. You lose a hard fought battle. And now you're just like, all right, the heck with this season. We talked with this on the podcast. They didn't get Kevin Durant. They really went for that and came up short. Jay Crowder is going to be gone now. I think he's really important to that team as a defender and just a glue guy piece. Dan Durant does not want to be there. The Sarver stink is just like sitting on the franchise right now. It feels to me like a team that could get whatever point through the season and just be like, yeah, okay, we're, we're done here. Like this, blow it up. We're done. I don't want to do it anymore. Like the the different version of it, but we've seen that with like the Jazz last year with other teams where it's like, yeah, it's just not it. And I smell something here and I'll take the long shot 13 to one to miss the playoffs.
0: The vibes are bad. Like the yeah. the Suns are basically the Western Conference Celtics in terms of they're so far having the preseason from hell. It's not good. I talked about this one on the podcast with Joe, but I want to come back to it real quick. If you haven't listened to that one, check out our uh, NBA stats props with Joe Delera. Luca to lead the league in both assists and points per game at 35 to one.
1: I looked at that one.
0: I, I just think this is good value. I really do think it sounds to me like, I will say the, the Mavericks media day has me a little spooked just because their entire tone was like, yeah, no, we're here. That's what we're doing. It's like, we're here to play basketball. That's, that's what we're here. So you guys think you can win a championship? Yeah. You know, we'll see, you know, like not not what you're like. Doesn't sound like a lot of enthusiasms uh in Dallas so far. So we'll see how that goes. There's a lot of reasons not to take this, but for me, honestly, it just comes down to I continue to think Luca is just gonna have an, an absolutely ridiculous usage. I do not see a scenario like they're talking about Frank Neil Aquina and Josh Green increasing their ball handler capacities. Let me tell you <laughs> how that's gonna go. Like by December, it will be back to hey Luca, why don't you do everything? If Spencer misses games. Luca's going to pick up a bunch of that slack. If Frank Neal Keenan misses games, Luca's going to pick up a bunch of that slack. Luca's usage rate is going to be absurd and he's efficient and he scores in volume and he has shooters around him. So for me, 35 to 1 for Luca to go to double dip is way better. Value. Like that to me is is, does he win MVP in that case? Absolutely. Would I like to be able to parlay it? Sure, but I'm not going to be able to. But I like Luka to to lead the league in both assists and points per game at 35 to 1.
1: I would even say, too, so I don't mind this one. I think the numbers could be there. It's going to be tough, tough to lead both categories. But I do think the assists per game category is a little more open this year. I was looking for a a good sleeper in that one. So this might be a good way to sleep into that. I I don't even know, though, if he wins these two categories. I'm not sure he does win MVP after that. Like, that seems kind of crazy. But I think that if Luka does lead the team in points per game and assists, that's not a great feel for what the team is going to be. And so suddenly we got like our Russell Westbrook MVP type season, which I know he won, but nobody wants him to have won in that season. I feel like that's what we'd be staring at here. If I remember right, you know NBA history a little better than I do. I believe we've had only one player in NBA history who led the league in scoring and assists the same time. I believe it was Tiny Archibald who did not win MVP or even, I think, get close to it. So, But we, it has happened before, and it was a fast-tempo team and a guy that was doing everything for it. That is uh, what Luca is going to do. He's going to do everything. I don't hate it. I think it's I, – I, I agree. I would rather play this as a long shot than play the short odds on the MVP. It's more likely to win MVP, but I think it's a better number play here. Give me one more. I'll give you a stats one as well. I was looking for those category leaders. We did Donovan Mitchell points per game. Steals per game is only up at a couple of books. It's a very volatile market because you win steals per game with like 2.0 steals per game. And you can be like 13th on the list at 1.4 steals a game. Like we don't get very many steals in the NBA. Here's a guy that you and I both love. And I think you're going to bet this one before we get finished the podcast DeAnthony Melton, new Philadelphia 76er, is 150 to 1 to lead the league in steals per game. So, last season when he was with the Grizzlies, DeAnthony Melton led the Grizzlies in steals. The Grizzlies led the NBA in steals. So, we're literally getting 150 to 1 on the best stealer from the best stealing team. He's in a new spot now. He finished already 15th in steals per game last year. As a bit roll bench player, I expect. He's going to go up from under 23 minutes a game to something north of that 25, 28, 30, somewhere in that range. I don't know exactly where. I hope more for Philly's sake because he's a good fit there. He averages 2.3 steals per 36. If you look back on his career, Melton has 49 games where he's played at least 25 minutes. That's the number I want him to get to here. In those games, he's averaged 1.8 steals a game. We've heard good talk about his defense in Philadelphia already from Doc Rivers. I think they're going to be a great defensive team. On that team, I think he'll be in a position where he can gamble a little bit more, get a couple extra steals here and there. 150 to one for a guy who is a great defender and a great theft man. I think it's the wrong number.
0: Look, I love DeAnthony Melton, and the numbers are sound here. 1.8 would have put him third last season behind DeJounte Murray at 2.0, and Chris Paul, who somehow at his age is still at (laughs) 1.9. cp3 point god uh i i can't go with you on this and the reason is you have a lot more confidence you're you're doing the thing that you do where you're like but surely they'll do this because this is the rational decision and then i have to be like it's doc rivers brandon doc doc <laughs> rivers is in charge and that's my thing is i don't trust doc rivers not to i i think it's possible doc rivers plays yo-yo with his minutes i think doc rivers plays yo-yo with him in the rotation i don't yeah. trust I, I don't trust Doc Rivers to give him the opportunities. Um, I don't know what the scheme is going to look like. I don't know how much they're going to they're going to preach those kind of steals, um, especially you know like I think like Tybal. Not that Tybal being on court reduces the number of steals opportunities for Melton. It's just a little, yeah. I'm I'm just a little worried about. It.
1: Uh, and yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with any of that. I, I worry about the minutes. We only need them to get to 25 from 23. Even that's a question mark. It's a, yeah. it's a long shot. It's my yeah. second longest one. I have one long shot left, but what else you got?
0: Uh, I'll rattle through three more and then yeah. you can do your final one. Um, I have another exact outcome. The Denver Nuggets to beat the Philadelphia 76ers is 150 to one. I think the Nuggets are, are it is possible. I, I've been saying this. I think it is on the table for the Denver Nuggets to have the highest offensive rating in NBA history this season. I do too. I think that there's a good chance that they wind up with the top three seed, if not a number one seed, I think there's good value on them to get the one seed playing an altitude. If they have to go through easier teams in rounds one and two, especially because we look at this and we go, okay, we think the Southwest division teams are going to be worse and they're probably going to slide down like four or five could very easily be Mavericks Pelicans, Mavericks Grizzlies, or one of the diminished Western Conference or the Pacific division teams versus that or the Wolves. So I think the Nuggets would be comfortable playing. Yeah. So like it, it it fits very well there. The Sixers, you and I are both very high on. We think they're gonna win the division. We equally like I came to this one basically by I think there's really good value on on the Nuggets to get the number one seed and the Sixers to get the number one seed. And if you say like, yeah, but that doesn't you always talk about how the playoffs are different than regular season, you're right. But if you're the one seed, your path is often very easy to get there. Absolutely. Look, look no further than the heat. And if both of those teams get there, my hedge opportunities at 150 to one are, I'm going to profit. I'm going. I'm. I'm just going to profit. I'm going to profit in a big way that, at that point. Both of those teams are also teams at the end. I will say this, the markets in terms of per game reflect very favorably on. It will be difficult, it will be very difficult for bookmakers to make the Nuggets as dogs in a game one of the Western Conference Finals at home versus anybody except, say, the Warriors. Hmm. Like, the Warriors are maybe the only team, maybe the Clippers. Every other team, the Nuggets have to be favored because the metrics always work out for them in that in that regard, especially with home field, home court. Um, and then two long shots for six-man, since I'm not going to do as many on the the – the awards pod, uh, Tyrese Maxey thirty to one. I think we talked about him when we did the the original one. Still think that's really good value. Think Max is gonna make a big jump. This one is the okay if it's not gonna fit our model of all star on a really good team. Wait, is, just, this, is this what,
1: most improved or six man? Sorry, most improved. Okay. Most
0: improved. Um, our most improved model says all star playoff team all NBA consideration. This is not that. This is a guy that would be an outsider of that model. I just want to shout him out. Sadiq Bay, I mm. Sadiq Bay is awesome. He's going to score a ton if the Pistons are better than expected. Sadiq Bay is going to be a lot of it. He's forty to one. I like that. I think Sadiq, Sadiq Bay is good. So that's uh, that's mine. Mm. What is? I know it, what's coming down the pipeline.
1: <laughs> so, so I'll chime in on the. Uh, I like the the Nuggets Sixers play. My last cut off of our list was actually. I was looking at either the Nuggets or the Sixers to win the most uh, to, to win the most games this season, both 11 to 1. So I was looking at both of those. If you like both of those as in play, then taking the possible one seeds to make the finals, yeah, you know, that makes a lot of sense to me. All right, my last one, 600 to 1, and I have bet this already and I will bet it again and put it in the app. And I have bet this in past seasons and it hasn't gone well for me, but I'm hanging on. LeBron James to win defensive player of the year, 600 to one. So defensive player of the year, there's not a huge profile of what we need, but basically what we know is you need to have a very good defender on a top five, probably top three defense. We've had this argument. I know you don't agree with me on it, but I have right now heading into the season, the Lakers as a top four defense I have the Sixers Bucks, Celtics and Lakers are my four. And so I'm looking for, I want, a top defender off of one of those teams. I want a big man, Marcus Smart, screw you. I want a big man to win defensive player of the year. That's what usually happens here. So the guys on those other teams, Embiid and Smart, and Robert Williams and Giannis, like they're all, they're all in the mix. And well, I've got Embiid as a bet, too. LeBron James is a very good defender. He's been a, a great and elite defender at times. LeBron cares about what his story is and what goes on the mantle and what gets to count in his long basketball reference page of stuff. LeBron wants to be Michael Jordan, who, by the way, won Defensive Player of the Year one time. LeBron wants Defensive Player of the Year. He's talked about it before. He wants this award if the Lakers are really good because of their defense being good because they've gone back to the thing where they're going to play a center, move Anthony Davis to the four, LeBron James at the three and play defense and bully ball it up. We know LeBron gets the narrative. We don't have to worry about MVP and winning enough games. That doesn't matter here. We don't have to worry about any numbers. We just say, Hey, you know, who's really good at defense this year. The Lakers. Wow. They're back to playing great defense. LeBron trying every night. Look at him go. Hey, he's never one defensive player of the year. Isn't that wild? 600 to one, and I'll tell you this, I split my bet into two because I want a cash out price. I just need a conversation. Just give me a LeBron DPOI conversation sometime and I'll cash out half of my bet and pay for the other half and then we'll just ride with it into the sunset. 600 to one, come on. Top two player of all time, defensive player of the year. 600 to one is ridiculous. Don't give me 600 to one LeBron anything. Okay,
0: so this is a man who had to rest on defense like four years ago because he was doing so much offensively with the Cavs and he is now four years older. <laughs> uh, this is a man who has said that his main job, like goal of the season is just to make it through the season. You have availability questions, availability. You want to know a good way for you to conserve your, your body, it's to not play defense at a high level because it's really punishing. Um, The other problem is that I talked about this actually on another pod about there's a level of player that's judged against himself and LeBron will always be judged against himself. It's difficult to vote for LeBron for an award if you know he's been better in that award in previous years or category, whatever. It's very difficult to vote for him. No one's ever – he will not play better defense this season than he did in 2013, 2012, 2019, honestly. He won't be as good. It's been – I mean, this is what's crazy, Brandon. This is how time – like how fast time flies. The 2019-20 championship season of that defense was three years (laughs) ago. It will have been four by the end of the year. Like, that's wild. Time goes by so fast. But those three years are really important when you get above 35. Yep. There's no way I, I can't say <laughs> no to a of, Like I can't say no here, but God, do I just? If you, if you are able to even cash out on this, I'm gonna be mad. I'm just gonna be mad <laughs> at the whole universe.
1: Okay. For this inspiring. Here, here, here's my my brief counter argument. Number one. The fact that it's been three years, I like because LeBron has had the summer off a couple of times. You hear that, LeBron? You had the summer off. Why don't you show up and try the whole season this year? Actually show up and play defense. You hear that, buddy? Just trying to get a little motivation in case he's a Buckets listener. Number two, as the great Kevin Malone once said on The Office, if anyone gives you 10000 to one on anything, you you take take it. it. And if John Mellencamp ever wins an Oscar or LeBron ever wins DPOI, I'm going to be a very rich dude.
0: All right. That's going to wrap up Long Shots from Buckets. hope you guys have enjoyed it and listening to us try and justify these absolutely batshit bets (laughs) for you. Uh, We'll be back with a more reasonable episode later in the week. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to download the award-winning Action Network app. Give us those five-star reviews. If you go to Apple and give us those five-star reviews, you get a shout-out from me. Uh, I will also give you on Twitter a shout-out with any sort of, like, I will include any comment that is not lewd Offensive or any of those type of things, I will, I will, I will do that for you. Give us those five star reviews. Our uh, thanks, David Pan, our producer. Thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll see you guys again next time. Let's get buckets.